Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So in this series that we're doing called Better Together, um, we started this a few weeks ago and we started talking about how life would be, how church would be, how spiritual transformation would be, how vision would be, how mission would be if we all did it together. And I'm going to be talking to you out of John chapter 2 today and uh, this is going to be kind of an awkward passage Uh, for this message, but it's the passage that the Lord drew me to, and it's where Jesus is performing his first miracle in the, in the town of Cana, and, um, and so we'll get there in just a few minutes. Um, and today I want to just ask you this question. How many of you have ever had somebody that you felt used by them? All right. Or, or maybe you might not have felt used. That might be. Now, I have. I've had a lot of people that I felt like, this person is using me. But at the very least, have you had situations in your life where it's like, I'm investing a lot more in this relationship than I'm getting out of. And that's what relationship is. It's a mutual benefit. Like, I bring something to the table, you bring something to the table, all right? I want y'all to get black with me now, all right? You know what I say? You know what I say? I want you to get black with me now. I want you to preach with me. I want you to engage with this message today. Um, Come on, there you go, there you go. So, we've all had people in our life before where we felt like we were being used. We've all had people in our life that we felt like I'm investing a whole lot more in this relationship than I'm getting out of it. And sometimes we might have been the person that was not investing as much as the other person and we were taking maybe advantage of them. But we do that all the time in Christendom. We do that all the time with our God. He invests a lot, everything, his only begotten son. He left it all on the line and he invests so much. See, we don't, we don't have to repay. We don't have to repay our end because we couldn't. We can't pay. We can't repay. We can't do anything on our end to ever meet that. And that's where grace comes in. We don't have to make that up. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So, but there are times, there are times in our life as Christians that we look at it and we go, really, how much am I investing? How much am I putting in? I'm telling you, church, whether you know it or not, this is my business. I'm about the Father's business. This is my business. There's not a week that goes by. There's not usually a day. If I go more than a day, it might be two days, that I'm not reading up on something to polish me in my craft. 
That I'm not trying to become a better leader. I'm not trying to keep my pulse on what's happening in the spiritual world, in the church world, in the prophetic world. And if you don't know it or not, there is a great falling away right now from the church. Come on now, look around. You can just look in this room and there are people that are not here that used to be here. There are people that are he- that, that are not here or that is some other church right now or they're, he- they're not here and they're absolutely nowhere right now they haven't walked away from the faith they just walked away from church they walked away from community well pastor rife you don't have to be a christian or a church goer to be a christian no you don't you don't have to go to church to be a christian you can do it but you probably won't you're not going to hell but he is not lord of your life Lord means that I've given him everything. I worship him with my whole body, soul, spirit, and mind. I mean, he is everything to me. I give him my all. And one of the scriptures says that we should, when we come together as a brotherhood, a sisterhood, brethren, saints, we come together for lifting one another up, for encouraging one another. This is part of the body of Christ. And when we come... Like, when we come, we want to make sure that we are unified in praise and worship. So, I've talked to you about being unified in vision. I talked to you last week about being unified in prayer, because we're better when we pray together. Go online and listen to that message if you, if you missed it. And today, I want to talk to us about being unified in praise and worship. This is one of the areas that the enemy is the most divisive in the church. I don't know if you can remember this. Like, we don't have that in our church. But I've been a part of churches where there were worship wars. Anybody ever heard that term before? Worship wars? It's a sad thing. So, if you haven't heard of this this, this is good because I'm going to educate you on, on this. So worship wars is what was happening and churches still have this. Thank God we don't in this house. Worship wars are when one part of the church wants to worship one way and another part of the church wants to worship another way. And usually there are two factions, but sometimes there's multiple we came, we were de, uh, deciding at one of our churches that Shay and I were on staff, and uh, they told us how to do it. So we have this guy comes in, and he's advising us on going from one service to two services. And he says, well, what you do is you'll take um, your older people who are traditional. They just want hymns. And you're going to let them come to the 830 service. And you're going to, in that service, we're going to call that the traditional service. And all that's going to happen in there is hymns and old people stuff. All right? Hymns are not old people stuff. All right? And then we're going to take all the new music, the ones that they sing the choruses 14 times, and we're going to put the young people in there. And we're going to call that the contemporary service. And so you'll have an 8.30 service that's traditional and you'll have a 10.30 service that's contemporary. And so he's giving us this advice. And I go to my pastor and I said, Pastor, don't do that, please. 
I said, I've already been a part of a church in Atlanta that we planted there with a a friend of ours planted and Shay and I went to help them start that. And we went from one service to two services. We had two identical services and identical, you, you understand the spirit flows and moves according to who's there. But we sang the same songs. We sang, if we sang two hymns and three choruses in the, uh, in the first service, we sang that same set. Now, we, it might have been a little different. The third song might have hit a stream that we go longer or, or whatever. But, but by and large, it's the same. What that would do, it, it will divide your church into two different groups. And you basically have two churches. They just meet in the same building. And it's like, no, we, and, and what you also do, you, you divide it up and it becomes consumer oriented. So basically, uh, we're here to serve you. We're here to serve up whatever it is you like. And dude, that is not the purpose of this gathering. I'll talk about that a little more in a minute. But I was on staff at a church and many of you guys either went to that church or you served with me there. And I'm telling you what, you want to see people get ugly and nasty you let them think that church is about them and then it becomes what I want. And if I don't get what I want, I'm not, I'm not paying my tithes. I'm not giving any more to this church. I'm not doing this. I'm going to cause a ruckus. And I'm telling you what, we were in some bloodbaths at that church. It was sad. It was an abomination. I can't imagine the Lord looking down and going, this is a blessing to me today. I'm so excited to be here. Why? Because Psalm 122, how good and blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It brings the anointing of God. It's like the oil. Oil is always Holy Spirit. Oil is always anointing. Unity brings the anointing. So if that's the the reverse we can deduce, if unity among the brothers brings the anointing, what can disunity bring? It repels the anointing. God's like, I'm going to pass on this. Man, we don't ever want Holy Spirit to pass us by. We don't ever want Holy Spirit to look at what we're doing and go, yeah, I, it, listen, it doesn't have to be perfect. Listen, for unified worship and praise, we need some things to happen, but I'll tell you what we don't need. We do not need perfection. God don't need it. We don't need a building. We don't, I mean, we could, we could come into unity anywhere. We don't need a crowd. Really, God will show up for one. Yeah. Two, he's amplified. Three, we know it increases. The potential and the power and the presence of God increases. At least our awareness of it does. But when we come into agreement in praise and worship, I want you to look at this. Unity is going the same direction at the same speed with the same attitude. Apply this to to, uh, worship and praise. What if, what if we all came into the house of God or wherever small group or wherever you are gathering, what if we all came in and we're going the same direction in worship? 
We're going at the same speed in worship. We're going with the same attitude in worship. Listen to me. What does that look like? Pastor Rife, what are you talking about? For those who might not be following how I'm applying this to praise and worship, I want to break it down to you. Going the same direction. Well, I don't like that song. You're going in a different direction. What song are we singing? Then sing that song. Well, I'm not going to sing this one. I'm just going to wait till it's over. Rebel if you want to. Because you're fixing to slow things down. All right? That's what same direction is. Who's the leader in the room? The worship leader. Follow that dude's direction. Follow his or her direction. Going at the same speed. That I don't mean, you know, clapping on beat. Because most white people, God bless us, we didn't, just, we didn't get that one. I'm not talking about tempo. I'm talking about just pick your feet up off the floor. We got room in the seats today. Just prop them up on the seat next to you because I'm fixing a step on toes. All right? What if we all showed up and we worshiped at the same speed? Meaning, Church doesn't start at 10.15. Church doesn't start at 10.30. I mean, come on, man. There will be people checking their kids into, uh, well, you don't know, Pastor Rife, what it takes. I do know what it takes. I raised two kids. We got to church on time. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on time to worship. I get it. Stuff happens. Every now and then, that's a coincidence. But when it happens every Sunday, you're a poor planner. You don't plan well. You aren't disciplined. And you need to get out of bed. And I won't tell you how many alarms my wife set this morning. <laughs> She's like, I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not getting out of bed this morning. Just go ahead without me. I'm like... We have to go. We're the leaders. <laughs> Get out of bed. Listen, coming in with the same attitude. Same attitude. I'm not even talking about you got a bad attitude. I'm talking about has your, have you fixed your mind on Christ? Have you fixed your mind on Christ? Like, there's times I will not talk about stuff, all right? I'm not picking on my wife. She's a verbal processor. She wants to talk about everything. And on Sunday morning, I've told her, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. We've been in the car sometimes, and I've told her, if you want to start taking your own car to church, you can. But you're not going to talk to me about this kind of stuff on my way to church. I don't want that mess in my mind. I don't want that mess in my mind. You know, and when I say mess, I'm just talking about the things of life, you know. Men, men, men aren't like that. Women, they just, you know, want to talk about everything all over the place. And, 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 and they come in and, and they're, they're like, boom. And I'm like, nope, I got to prepare my mind. I got to prepare my mind. What if we all came in to praise and worship? 
and we've prepared our attitude of worship. You know, I mean, we get, like, what, what are we coming here to do? What are we coming in, into this place? We're not coming to play volleyball. We're not, coming, we're, not, we're not coming to eat donuts. You know, we're not coming to catch up on the latest gossip. God forbid, hopefully we're not. What are we coming in this place to do? Man, we are coming to the house of the Lord to commune with the saints and to commune with our God. What if we all came in, we were going the same direction, we were going the same speed, and we were going in with the same attitude? Listen, an, a unified vision will take us farther, faster, with fewer distractions. When we have a unified vision of what praise and worship is about, and I get it, people have lives, they have stuff that goes wrong. Listen, if you cut me, red comes out. I bleed. I have children like many of you have children. I have disappointments just like you have disappointments. I have financial obligations and debt just like you have it. I have a body that gets sick just like you have it. I got a body that gets tired just like you have one that gets tired. We all have the same things because we are human. But what if we came into this place and we had a unified vision of what praise and worship looks like? I'm telling you what we would go farther in the spirit realm we would go get there faster and we would get there with fewer distractions now I don't know if you're still at this place in your life but I have been at this place in my life as a believer I would come in and I, however many songs that we would sing you know it might be four five six songs I'm telling you I don't even know what the first four were I, I've said every word on the screen I've sung them with notes coming out of my mouth, but I don't know what I sang. Why? Because I'm thinking about this heavy burden that I've got. A while ago when, we were, when Hunter was leading us in worship, and he was talking about, lay it down. Man, lay it down. That needs to become a regular practice in your life. That when I come into this room, I'm laying it down. Do you know how the enemy robs God of worship? By distractions. How does he rob you of worship? By distractions. He'll put that stuff on you. He'll put that on, on your mind. You'll come in. You'll be anxious. And you will all of a sudden be so distracted that you, that you don't even know what's happening in the room. Oh, come on, man. I'm fixing to preach to somebody. There will be people in the room and they will come in and I've heard them say before, man, there was just something off about the service. Yes, what was off is you spent 30 minutes out in the foyer on your phone and uh, eating donuts and talking while the service was happening and you missed praise and worship that the Holy Ghost set up us for the perfect delivery of the word but you aren't connected because you were out in the foyer feeding your face while you should have been in here feeding your spirit. Come on now somebody. What if? What if? We all came in the vision of being unified in our worship. I'm telling you what, we would get there faster and we would go deeper in our worship. And we would have fewer distractions. I'm telling you what, I made my mind up as a young person. 
I made my mind up. I've said this to staff. I've said this to my wife before. I've said this to church members. When we're in worship, it better be important when I'm down there for you to lean over and talk to me. It better be important for you to interrupt me. Because that's not the time to discuss any issues that are going on in the building. Does it need my attention? Did some kid set a fire to something in the back that we need to evade? Then you got to shut up. You got to be quiet. Because I'm trying to commune with God right here. Man, talk to me about that stuff later. Send me an email. Send me a text. Get me later. But when I come into this building... I made a mind, I didn't finish my statement. I made my mind up at the age of 17, I believe. I just to sort of sit at the back right in that corner. And I was really starting to get serious about the Lord. And I'd have friends around me and they want to talk. They want to talk about everything under the sun. And I said to them, if you talk to me, I'm going to get up and move. Like don't talk to me during this time. Don't talk to me in worship. Don't talk to me during the message. If you want to look over at me and say, amen, man, he's tearing it up. You know, that's different. But don't talk to me or I will get up and move. And there have been times where I got up and moved because they would not keep their mouth shut. Because I made my mind up. I know what this gathering is for. And I was disciplining. I was starting to discipline myself. Because you see, it wasn't just for me. It was for him. But it was also for whoever my leaders were on the stage. And many times you've been in service before. Where the church and the leadership is not uh, in tandem and many times I've done it myself because that's what I, what I saw modeled. And all of a sudden, man, from the stage, they'll begin to reprimand the choir, uh, the, the, the church. And they'll be like, man, y'all ain't praising the Lord up in here. And they begin to tell you what you're not doing. Well, that don't make people feel like anybody ever got a whooping and then goes, well, that makes me feel better. I'm just going to start doing right now. No, you want to kill your parent. You know, you're trying to think of ways to burn the house down or to slash the tires on the car. You know, you're, you're, you're mad. And I made my mind up. I'm going to partner with whoever that is on the stage. I'm going to partner with my small group leader. Whatever, who, whatever's going in, I'm going to partner with them because they're the appointed leader. Either God appointed them directly or either indirectly because some leadership uh, chose them. And so I'm bringing myself in alignment with the leader. Why? Because I want to make his job or her job easier. I want to get in alignment with you. I don't want to be striving with you. I don't want to be striving in the spirit realm. Can I tell you there are enough demons assigned to this church? I don't know how many people are in this room, but there's at least that many demons and then multiplied because some of y'all got more than one attached. I'm talking to myself too, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but maybe you are. That's between you and God. But I'm telling you, if you are making any kind of impact in the kingdom of light and or darkness against it, you got some demons that 
they are assigned to you. So we got enough spiritual warfare going on. We don't need to be working against each other. We need to get in the flow. We need to get in unity with one another. I'm telling you what, man. If the leader asks you to do it and has to multiply that, that, uh, that asking you over and over and over and over, somebody's in rebellion. Because to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. That's disobedience. It's rebellion. And so this is what I want you to, uh, to, to take away today. That unified praise and worship ushers in the presence of God faster. Well, pastor, isn't God omnipresent? He's everywhere at all times. Yes, but you'll have to go online and you'll have to revisit or listen to the vertical series. Vertical worship. Yes, God is everywhere at all times. But people aren't aware of his presence at all times. God is at the grocery store. He's in your backyard. He's in your shower. He's in your closet. He's in your car. He, God's everywhere. His, his, his presence is everywhere. But his manifest presence is not. When God comes in manifest presence, that means he's not invisible anymore. Manifestations begin to happen. And he shows up in this prominent way. Unified praise ushers us into the presence of God faster. Notice, I said it wrong uh, the first time. Notice it doesn't say it ushers in the presence of God. God is here. He's going to be here when we leave. He's gonna, he was here before we got here today. He never, he never will not be in this location. But it ushers us it gets us into that place when we come in unified. All right, look at this. In unified praise and worship, we find God's presence and his provision. Now, last week I talked to you about unified prayer. In unified prayer, you find God's presence and power. Where two or three are gathered in my name, the Lord says, I'll be there. Gathered in worship, gathered in prayer, gathered in service. It doesn't matter. If you gather in his name, his presence is there. In prayer, you find his power as well. But in, in praise and worship, you find provision. All right? Now, I don't know if Pastor Wesley, if he looked at my slides uh, uh, today or if maybe he and I were talking about it, but I heard him as he prayed over our worship team this morning. He said... God, we, something to, along these lines. God, we welcome your Holy Spirit because when your spirit comes, the essence, the fullness of your essence comes with you. Think about this now. How many times do we make this gathering about, I got to go get my praise on. You know what that really means? I got to go get my spiritual, get jiggy with it. I got, I got to go get my dance, my praise dance on. I've got to go get mine. And I'm like, dude, whatever we get is a residual blessing of God's goodness, grace, and mercy. We don't come into this room to get our needs met. But how many have turned the house of God into a place where I come to get my needs met? 
That's what I was taught growing up. And that, my friend, does nothing but build Christians with crutches. Like, I'm broke down. I got to get to the house of God so I can get my blessing, you know. No, you go to the house of God to get filled up. You go to the house of God to let, you know, our praise out. And as the praise of God goes up, his blessings come down. God, the scripture says that God is enthroned in the praise of his people. Listen to this. God is enthroned, seated, in the praise of his people. The King James Version says it like this, that God inhabits the praise of his people. Like, doesn't just visit. Like, dude, we don't want a holy visitation. We want a holy habitation. We want him to come and live here and never leave. We want him to be so thick in, in, in presence. But when you look at it at, in, in this translation and it says, God is enthroned on the praise of his people. Have you ever been to, a, to somebody's house? Come on in, man. Come on in and have a seat. Come on in and sit down a spell. Are y'all a bunch of Yankees in here? Did we not grow up in the South? I know you've heard that. Come on in, sit a spell. Oh, don't sit on that chair, it's broke. Here, take Papa's chair. It's got, this is the best chair in the house. We had some friends and it's like, anytime you go over, they're going to get you the best seat in the house. Why? Because you're the guest of honor. Think about that, man. Come on in, Lord. Come on in. We're here for you. You're here for us. And we're going to give you the best seat in the house. The place of highest honor. We give it to you. And listen, as Pastor Wesley prayed over us this morning, when God comes, he doesn't leave any part of himself out. He didn't leave anything. You know, we go places and it's like, man, I left my wallet. Man, I, le I left my car keys. Man, I had something I was going to give you, but I left it at the house. Can I tell you, when our God shows up, he never shows up and he's like, hey, glad to be here with you guys today. Oh, man, y'all need healing. Dad, gum it, I was going to bring that. I left that in heaven. I, I, I'll get y'all next time. Hopefully you won't die before then, but I, I'll get you, get you next time. He never comes in and, and goes, dude, I'm sorry, I fixed a batch of mercy up fresh this morning. Like my mercies are new every day. I left that back at the crib. You know, never. When he comes, he comes in the fullness of his essence. He comes as Jehovah Rapha. He comes as Jehovah Jireh. He comes as Jehovah Sikinu. He comes as Jehovah Imkadesh. He comes as, as our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer. He comes in the fullness. And so many times we will come to church looking to get our needs met. And we won't be worried about the presence. Listen, when he shows up, you don't have to worry about provision. Because when he shows up, he brings the fullness of who he is. Come on, turn in your Bible to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, Jesus is getting ready to, uh, to, to do his first miracle at the wedding in Cana. Verse 1, chapter 2, are you there? The next day, there was a wedding. Weddings are the beginning of life together. That's important. Jesus is showing up 
at the beginning of life together. Man, if you can get this right at your foundation. I'm telling you what, I, did, I wasn't raised from an infant in church, but I got in church at the age of 15. I started getting hungry for the Lord, and she, she is raised from the womb inside her mom coming to church, you know. Like, th these are some churched folks I'm marrying into. Her great-grandfather was a Church of God preacher. Her grandfather was a Church of God preacher. And so, you know, for her, this was a lot of foundation that she already had. But I am convinced that Shay and I, the reason that our marriage thus far, 36 years, uh, that we have had really very little marital stuff. I mean, we have had some. I, it took a while to get her trained. But, you know, it, you know, but I'm telling you, man, we haven't had some major stuff. And I'll guarantee you it's because at the very early age of 17 and 18 when we were talking about marriage and then we finally got married at 19 and 20 that we looked into each other's eyes and we talked about what our life was going to look like, that it was going to be built upon the word, that we were going to raise a godly uh, generation and that we were going to give our hearts to the Lord as a couple, as a family, and that we were going to live this life. That's why our marriage is successful. It's not that we haven't had all hell break loose at times. It hasn't been times that I wanted to take her head off and that she didn't want to, uh, you know, sawed off shotgun to take after me. We've had those fights. We've had those times. But it's because at our beginning, we invited Christ into it. Amen? Amen? So here he is. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited, circle that word, invited to the celebration. Somebody wrote him an invitation. Somebody sent word to him and says, we want you to show up. Somebody made a personal contact with Jesus. I don't know how it came about. They might have called, uh, talked to his mom, his brother, whatever, but they wanted Jesus to be there. Now understand this. They weren't looking for provision in this. They weren't looking. They're, you're just a guest here. We're, we're not looking for anything from you. You're just a guest here. So they invited him to the celebration with the disciples. Verse 3, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. Anytime there is wine, if it's not specifically just talking about just the drink of it, but right here, the, the, the symbolism is the wine is the Holy Spirit. Anytime that you see wine, there is a symbolism of Holy Spirit that you can apply to it. But the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Listen, I'm just going to stop here for, for just a second and preach. There's going to be times that your wine is going to run out. Come on now. 
There's going to be times that your wine is going to run out. When is it going to run out? During the festivities. Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us in this house today. There's going to come a time when your wine is going to run out. Holy Spirit is not going to leave you, but your, but your emotions are going to get depleted. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in this house prophetically today. And the season is good. The money is good. The job is good. Your marriage seems like it's going okay. The kids are acting up a little bit, but not too crazy. You know, things seem to be good. And the wine is running out. When did the food and the, the, the passion run out in Israel? When the times were good. It's the hard times when it runs out that it gets your attention. While they are living it up in this festivity, in this big celebration, the wine runs out. The wine is going to run out of your emotions. There are going to be times where you're not going to feel like coming to the house of God. Get up anyway. There's going to be times you don't feel like reading your Bible. Get up anyway. There's going to be times you don't want to listen to any more praise and worship. Put it in anyway. There's going to be times where you don't feel like doing anything spiritual. Do it anyway. Because that is a sign that the wine is running out and you need to be refilled. When things are going wrong in your life, when there's uh, adversity, when there's things going on, many times we want to withdraw. I just don't want to be around anybody. Pastor, you don't know what it's like. Don't tell me what I don't know. I'm telling you what, I know what it's like to want to crawl back into bed. Shay was joking today, but I've really been there. I've really been there to where it's like, I don't want to face the world. I don't want to get out of bed. I just want to, you know, draw the, sh uh, I don't want to even talk to people. I don't even like people anymore. You know, I don't like myself. I don't like anything. But this little voice inside of me called Holy Spirit said, get your tail out of bed, boy. Get out of bed. Get out of your bed. And so you know what I did? I'm like, <laughs> and I forced myself out of bed. Why? Because I couldn't stay there on empty I needed to get around people that would encourage me I would schedule lunches with people no problem people no problem people I, I, I ain't got enough spirit to be my love tank is low my joy tank is low the wine's running out I got to get around somebody that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to take the last fumes that I'm running on out of me. I got to get around somebody that'll pour into me, that will encourage me, that will lift me up, that will, that will help me see right. Because right now I'm on the verge of seeing wrong and acting within my flesh. I need to be refilled. I need somebody to come fill these pots up. Get around people that will encourage me. Come to the house of God. I'm telling you what, those, those several years that I walked through as, as, as pastor of this church, and if you're here, you know. And I'm like, man, I'm just tired. I'm just, I don't want to, like, God give me strength every time, every time, every time I would come and the Lord would strengthen me. It was like Samson. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm like, I could feel the spirit of the Lord come upon me. 
Why? Because I was in the house of God where the Spirit of God was, was saturating the place for four years. Four years. Count them. One, two, three, four. Four years I have met with a group of men and that we have prayed every Tuesday night. I, I'm telling you there's Tuesday nights where I'm like, man, I just get somebody else to cover it tonight. Man, I just don't feel like going tonight. Man, I just blah, blah, blah. I would force myself to go. And I'd be like, man, if they only knew... I mean, they probably did. But like, if they only knew, I don't want to be here. I just, I'm tired. I just, you know, my tank's low. That's the very place I needed to be. That's the very place I needed to be. And every single time that I was there, there was some kind of move of the spirit, a prophetic word, or somebody said something. And dude, I left. And you know what I said when I was leaving? Man, I'm so glad I came. Man, I'm so glad I came. Man, I'm so glad I came because the enemy wanted to rob me. He, he knew I was on empty. He just wanted to get me a little more on empty because that's a dangerous place for you to be because you'll be acting like a fool. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? You'll be acting like a fool. You'll put some stupid stuff on Facebook. You'll say some stupid stuff in sermons. <laughs> you'll say some stupid stuff to your wife. You'll say some stupid stuff to your friends. You'll, do, you, you'll start contemplating stuff that you shouldn't be contemplating. Why? Because the flesh is weak. But the spirit is willing. The spirit is willing. So getting back to this, let me try to wrap it up. So the supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother says, they have no more wine. He says, dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Uh, she ain't hearing all that. Now, I don't have time to fully preach this like I want to. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful account that's happening here. The mother Mary of Jesus. You know, I'm not sure she, she holds the esteem that the Catholic Church has put on her. But in God's eyes... Mary, the virgin, out of every female soul on the planet, found favor in the Lord. Like there's something special about Mary to the Lord. And I believe God honors Mary in this special way. We know because he chose her. There's something beautiful about this conversation here. Who is she talking to? God. Her son, God in the flesh. And Jesus says, woman. And, and he doesn't say it in some 2023 vernacular like I would sometimes joke with my wife. Say, woman, get in that kitchen and fix me a sandwich. Now, I ain't going to tell you again. Like, you know, it's not that. He's, he's calling her woman, which was really un... Uh, it, it wasn't, it was uncommon, but what he's doing here, he's not calling her mom or mother. He's letting her know, like, I'm a man now. I got to be about my father's business and it's, it's not my time. Like he's not saying it's not my time because I don't think it is. I'm holding out. I'm waiting on another sign, you know. No, he already had been in communion with, the, with God the Father. It was not his time, or he would not have said it. And Mary looks at him, and then she looks at the people, and she says, 
do whatever he asks. But you know what I said. <laughs> That's not in the Bible, but I promise you, I bet she looked at him as she left the room. Like, you know what I said. And what did he do? He did what his mama said. Not what his daddy said. He did what his mommy said. Because she's in tune with him as well. And so here he is. He begins to act out this miracle. There's a beautiful thing right here if we're talking about getting in the same mindset, the same speed, the same direction. She looks at them and says, do whatever he says. <clears throat> in other words, she's saying, come into alignment with what he says. I've said my piece. I'm going back to the party. Do whatever he says. All right. Now, there are times to collaborate and there are times just to follow directions. But we in the Americas, not necessarily other nations, but we in the Americas have this entitlement. Well, you're not the boss of me. Like you're not, you don't tell me what to do. And we have this unhealthy thing with leadership. I get it. Lots of leaders have messed it up. I get it. Lots of leaders have abused it. That's why you, oh, listen to me, church. That's why you need to walk with a leader for a length of time. These church folks that they get hurt and move on to some place. And I had this guy tell me, man, we, my wife and I, I'm not making this up. He said, my wife and I, we've been to 11 churches in the last 14 years. And he almost was bragging about it. And I said, do you realize, like, if you do the math, that's like, you wasn't even in those churches like a year and a few weeks. Like, you can't grow. You can't get connected to that house. You don't know their message. You don't know the pastor. Like, you got to connect yourself with leadership. And what happens is she looks at them and says, do whatever he asks. There's time for collaboration. And then there's times just to do what you're told. Why? Because the leader is hearing from the Lord. There's times just, do, is, is it a sin? Is it a sin? Is it gross? Is it a violation of morals? No. Then just do what the leader says. There are times where I just do what the leader says. Even though I am the leader over certain things, I'm like, you tell me what you want to do. And I'm going to follow your vision. Why? Because obedience, obedience is something that I want to model. I don't want to model disobedience. And so when we're talking about this, let's look, at, let, let's look and run through a few more verses here. Verse 6, standing near were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold about uh, 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Huh? Like, didn't you tell her? Or didn't you hear? We're out of wine, not water. Just fill them, fill them with water. We ain't out of water. I, I get it. Would you fill them with water? Man, are you deaf? You dumb? We are not out of water. We're out of wine. 
We don't need to be going down. Like, we're going to lug these big old things down to wherever it was their water source. We're wasting time. People are getting antsy. They're leaving the party. They're, you know, no. Like, we need to get down to the market and we need to buy some more wine. Dude, get in alignment. Do what he said. Did he ask for water? Give him water. But I got a better idea. It's, good Lord, it's 200 yards to the water source. We could just go around, oh, oh right, right around here to Baal Kebab's temple uh, store and, and get us some, it's, it's only 50 yards there. What did he say? He said, get him some water. Getting in alignment, same direction, same speed, same attitude. So they go and they fill it with water. And um, when the water jars had been filled, then he said, dip some out and take it to the master of ceremony. Are you out of your gourd? Do you know how stupid we're going to look? So the, fellow, so the servants followed his instructions and when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves his best wine first, he said. Then they bring out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best wine until now. Stop. If you read this prophetically, my friends, we are in the last days. In the last days, I will pour out my wine. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters, your maidservants, all these people. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what social status you are. It doesn't matter if you were born into the church this week or if you were born, you know, from the time you were just a child. In the last days, what's happening right here? He's saying, my goodness, Normally, the spirit, the spirits, wine and spirits, the spirits come out at the beginning of the party. But, oh my God, the bridegroom. All right, listen, who's the bridegroom? Jesus. So if you look at this prophetically, Jesus is the bridegroom prophetically. And he says, you have made a wise decision. You have made this, gen well, generous because bringing out the good wine first and, 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 and then watering down later, that's wise. No, you've made a generous decision. You bring out the best at the very end. Prophetically, you and I are living in the last days. The wine that we will taste is better in this time frame. Don't get your eyes on the news. Don't get your eyes on the station of the church. Don't get your eyes on how many seats are empty in this room. Don't get your eyes on the division of the enemy that's working among his people. You get your eyes on the bridegroom who is the producer and the provider of the wine because he's bringing out the best for last. Pastor Rife, how can you say that? Because I know the Bible and you do too. 
The latter will be greater than the preceding. The first. We are living in a time. If we won't lose our focus, guys, there is a great falling away, but there is also a great outpouring. That's where my hope comes from. See, I see the great falling away in the church. And people all over the world are seeing the great falling away. But can I tell you, we are going to see a great forthcoming of people. There is a great harvest that's going to happen. But what we have to do, we got to get unified, church. We have to get unified in our praise and in our worship. In our prayer, in our vision, and then some of the other things I'll be talking about to you in just a few weeks. All right, look at verse 11, and then I'm going to dive into a few other things. Melissa, would you come? This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. All right? The first time, it's the first time Jesus did something miraculous. The first time. He's not performed any miracles, none in secret, none in public. This is the very first one. Church, can I tell you what our problem is? We've stopped believing that we're going to see the first of some things. Come on, I know y'all want me to, y'all ready to go eat, I get it. Listen to me, church family. Do you believe that you and I are going to see some of the first things that's never been seen before? Nobody ever saw water turn to wine. I'm telling you what, you and I are living in a time that we are going to see some of the first things that Jesus ever did. He's never, they're, they're not written in the Bible. Listen to me. They're not written in the Bible. Oh, they're foretold. They're foretold, but they haven't taken place in the Bible, is what I'm saying. They're foretold. We are the generation that will see it. Our children will be the generation that they see that. Can you imagine what it is going to be like one day? And it very well could be us. Do you think that what's happening in Israel right now, do you think for a minute that like, oh yeah, that's just like another one of those skirmishes. Hey, church, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Do you know proportionately, Ratio wise, for Israel, this is worse than 9 11. I mean, we're a massive nation. Proportionately, this would, this would, it's, it's a devastation to that country. While we have all empathy and sympathy with the Palestinian people that are civilians that are not part of terrorists. We get that. We're not barbarians. We get that. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about Israel. Do you think for a moment, like, you understand the end of civilization as we know it is going to happen in a war in the Valley of Megiddo? It's going to happen there. It's not going to happen in Afghanistan or Iraq. It's going to happen there. 
And so, dude, if you don't recognize this, I was talking to somebody the other day and it blew my mind. They had no idea that there was a war going on in Israel. What planet do you live on? Do you never look at anything, current events? Had no clue. I know that's hard for you to believe, but God is my witness. God is my witness. We better wake up. We better pay attention because what's happening in the world right now, we are, what is it going to be like one day? It could be tomorrow. It could be next month. It might be in three years. And we're just in our backyard, just clipping the hedges. And all of a sudden we just hear, is there a tornado siren going off? It sounds different. I've never even heard that sound before. And we look up. That way's east. And we look up. And somewhere over Mobile, it looks like something out of Independence Day, the movie. The the clouds are peeling back. And there's this massive crack in the atmosphere. And all of a sudden, it's, it's on, man. We could see that. He did his first miracle. We could see that. Where were they? They were celebrating. They were celebrating. The wine was running out, but he's like, you know what? The provider isn't. Somebody, somebody had the, had the forethought to invite, to invite Jesus to come. When Jesus came, And he was there. Listen to me. All this is good. There was never a chance they were going to run out of wine. They didn't know that. There was never a chance. Oh, there was never a chance that they were going to run out of wine. Why? Because the winemaker was in the house. The winemaker was in the house. Somebody invited the winemaker. He was in the house. When he comes, he brings the fullness, the essence of who he is. Whatever your need is, somebody's eyes blind, boom. Somebody has a gallstone, bam. Somebody needs the devil cast out, zam. Somebody needs, you know, something physical, like a tangible thing like wine. There it is. Why? Because the essence of who he was was in the building. Don't come to this gathering seeking hands. Come to this gathering seeking his presence because we don't have to worry about provision when he comes in with his presence. He brings everything with him. He's already there. And so many times we come into a place like this, we're looking for somebody with some on their hands and they want T.D. Jakes or they want... uh, uh, whoever that person is it could be uh benny hen or whomever if i could just get down front i'm telling if i could just get down front no i'm telling you what you get in his presence and you don't even need to come down to the front row and you don't need to have any celebrity pastor or 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 anybody lay hands on you god will do it on the third row or he'll do it out in the parking lot he'll do it when you leave in the building just come into his presence man just come into his presence just come into his presence All right, I don't have time to go through these, so I'm going to zip. Number one, in praise and worship, we must be united in purpose. Y'all know what the purpose of this room is? Praise and worship and glory to God. I thought we were coming to get filled. You'll get that, but that's not the purpose of this. 
you, you go eat. Do you want me to come to your house and spoon feed you? Do you want me to come to your house and cook your meals? No, you go feed yourself. I need a church that's going to feed me. Listen, no, you need to grow up and you need to learn to eat. You need to eat. Don't, don't depend on me to feed you. I know that's stretching somebody's theology right now. That's stretching somebody's doctrine. No, you go eat. You go eat. When you come to this house, don't, don't come like, man, man, don't come emaciated spiritually. Don't, don't come in this house and go, God, I can barely crawl to the altar. Because guess what? We might, Holy Spirit might be serving up something that day that you ain't hungry for. Well, I just needed somebody to pray over me, but they sang 18 songs. Well, maybe that's the way the, the Lord went. I just needed to hear the word, but it went a different direction. They had an altar call and I came to, you know, to grow in the word. Like, listen, you will get something. I swear, if you come to this house, you will get some word. I will feed you. But when we come to this house, the purpose of this gathering is to come into this room and say, it's not about me. It's all about him. It's to give him glory and Holy Spirit. We want you to show up and come in the fullness of who you are. And when you come in the essence, the fullness of who you are, whoever needs healing, it's manifested. Whoever needs provision, it's manifested. If you want to grow in the Lord, God will do more in revelation in 30 seconds when he will divinely reveal something that I can do in a month of Sundays in a teaching series. It's happened to me. So when we come into this place and we understand the purpose of it, the second is lay our personal preferences aside. Lay our personal preferences aside. Well, I don't like that song. It's not about the song. Well, I don't like what time our service is. I wish we started. It's not about you. I could tell you, well, go find a church that, you know, has a later service or an earlier service, but there'll be something totally different there that you won't like. I'm telling you, when we come into this place and we say, I'm laying all of my personal preferences aside, and I just want to be in his presence with God's people. The third thing is passion. We need to be a people of passion. Church family, oh, I might have to go an extra week on this we got to be a people of passion when we come into this house we have to be a people of passion getting in the same direction same speed same attitude i'm just telling you what listen to me i'm just telling you what if you are on your phone right now the holy ghost ought to just convict you if you're looking at Facebook right now, Holy Spirit should just convict you. If you're texting uh, your meemaw about her kittens in the backyard, the Holy Spirit should convict you. Because you have lost the reverence of God in this gathering. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. People of passion. People of passion. I've had people get so upset with me to say, you just want people to worship the way you want them to worship. Friends, I want you to worship like the Bible says. Because if y'all were worshiping like I wanted you to worship, we'd all be running around. We'd all be screaming in the Holy Ghost. I mean, shoes would be flying and horns would be blaring and flags would be waving. That's if y'all were doing it like I wanted to do it. 
What I really want you to do is I want you to study out how God wants to be worshipped. And when you come in, this, there's the beautiful, the beauty of God is that he's so creative. He comes in and he tells us there are all these ways that you can tell me. Well, that's so selfish of of, of, of God. Like how, how egotistical and narcissistic is a God to save? Worship me. My creation, worship me. No, man, you, you are, you, people got it so messed up. Am I a narcissist? Am I an egotistical for me to expect my wife to tell me that she loves me? Is it unrealistic for me to go, babe, come on, man, hold my hand. <gasps> Is my breath bad? Kiss me. Spend time with me. I want you to tell me that you love me. Do you like this outfit? She does that stuff to me all the time. It is not unrealistic for her to want me to express my love for her. It's not unrealistic for her to want me to bring her gifts because that's a love language of hers. The same way with our God. It is not because he's demanding worship. He's like, I want you to worship me. Is that so bad? I only want you to worship me. I'm a jealous God. Just me. Just me and you. We're going to just be in love with each other. Is it wrong for me to say to Shay, hey, I'm the only one that you're ever going to love like you love me. Wink, wink. There ain't going to be no other men. I'm not going to share you with anybody. And then for her to go, I'll love who I want to and I'll be with as many as I want to. Is it unrealistic of me? No. Because we're in covenant. We're in love with each other. This is our relationship. So what happens is we look at this as a mirror of that. He's like, I love you with an unfailing love and there's no distance. I will not go for you. There's nothing I will not do for you or give for you. I will give myself to you. I will lay down my life. I did lay down my life for you. Let's be in love. That's what worship is. It's that kind of passion. Look at this, paying attention. We do this thing at the very beginning of worship. Sometimes we do it better than, than others. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow in this because uh, a lot of times, like, I don't really need a call to worship because I'm already there. But, but we do a call to worship. And that call to worship is, come on in, guys. Let's get everything. Let's just kind of debrief, get everything out of our mind. Let's focus on God. This is what the word says when it comes to worship. This is what we're going to be doing today. Come on, let's pray. We're, we're focusing our mind on what's about to happen in this room. All right. So paying attention to what's happening and then a purity. Psalm 24 says, who can ascend to the holy hill? Who can ascend to the church? Who can ascend to the temple? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. When we come in this house, I'm telling you what, church, if you want to see worship slowed down, have people on your team that are living a life of sin. I just spoke to a pastor uh, this week, 
And he said, I found out that my guitarist is having an illicit affair. This is not an emotional. This means they're physically engaged and we have proof of it. And I said, so between now and the end of the week, when are you having a conversation with him? Because he can't be on the platform. It's one thing if you don't know about it, but he can't be up here playing because he's got demons attached to him. And he welcomed those into your house. And now that you know that they're there, if you allow him to stand on that stage, I said, I promise you, it's like you on stage with demons behind you. And I said, you've got to have that conversation with them. We're not punitive. We're not punishing you. Well, they're taking me off. They're just so religious. No, my friend, there is a standard. There is a standard. And purity, when we come, if we're going to be unified, when we come into this place, we have to search our heart and we have to say, God, forgive me for everything. I don't want anything to be between me and you. Because this is what the Lord says. Don't bring it down here. Take your gift back to wherever you came from. Get that stuff straight, either between me or you and somebody else, and then come back. Because you can't do the holy acts of God and not live a holy lifestyle. Come on, man. That's good stuff. And this is the last one, and we're going home. Physical participation. Well, preacher, I just don't like to raise my hands. Can I just tell you this? You need to get over that. Uh, C number two. I don't like lifting my hands. I promise you, if I ever see you at a soccer game, a baseball game, anything, and you got your hands in the air, I'm going to come punch you in the face. And I'm going to say, get your hands out of the air because you said you didn't like doing that. You know, I'm joking, sort of. Here's why physical participation is important. Our bodies naturally reflect what affects us. Listen, this is a mirror of the supernatural. This natural is a mirror of the supernatural. All right? When I see certain little kids in the church and they walk in and they're just so cute and cuddly and doing dumb stuff I'll look down at them and a big smile comes across my face why because there's joy in my heart and it shows up on my face when somebody cuts me off in traffic and almost causes me to crash What happens? I either get angry or scared. It shows up on my demeanor. What's inside will show up on the outside. If you love him, if you serve him, if he is the Lord of your life, there will be physical manifestations of your worship. There will be physical signs of your worship. Well, people can fake that. Absolutely. That's not the point. The point is you, where are you? Where am I? So I'm telling you, church, we should be a church of physical engagement. And this is the last thing I want to share with you. In unified praise and worship, we find God's presence and his provision. 
we find his presence and his provision. When we come in here, I want to encourage you. Because listen, y'all, y'all are the cream of the crop today. Y'all are here hearing this message. Go out of this place today and now take the discipline that has been dished out from the word by Holy Spirit through me and go, I'm going to a whole different level in my praise and worship. I'm going to a whole new level in my spiritual uh, gathering when I come together. This is my prayer for you. I hope that when you come into a setting like this in the future, you don't come in apathetic like, uh, like in the Song of Solomon, I believe it is, where, you know, the lover, that's God, comes and he knocks on the door. And then she's over there going, do I have to get up? I already, I'm in bed. I'm lotioned up. Go read it. She's like, I ain't even got my slippers on. And he's like, open the door, babe. I want to come in. I want to come be with you. I got a headache tonight. Now we ain't, you know, because it's in a sexual uh, uh, metaphor. They're wanting to have community. He's wanting to have community. He's wanting to worship with her. If I ignore him long enough, I know he's going to go away. Let me give him a few more minutes. My God, let me put my shoes on. I done took my robe off. I'm going to have to re-lotion up after this. Goes over, opens the door. He's not there. What's this on my hand? Oh, he came ready. He had his best cologne on, his best fragrance on. Fragrance is always a, my God, I hope y'all are getting it. Fragrance, essence, incense. Oh, he was here. I smell the presence. I, I, he was here. That smell, that perfume, that essence, that's, that's worship. He was ready to come and worship with her. He was ready to be intimate with her. Our God is wanting to show up and he wants us to be intimate with him. And when we come into this place, let us not be like that version of the bride. That when the bridegroom, because there is not ever a time where we come to this house for this purpose that God walks in, manifests, and goes, we got to get this show on the road. I got some place to go. Uh, I was thinking we could do something. We don't even have to do. Listen, he shows up on purpose with a purpose. He shows up to do something. Let's get in alignment with what God wants to do. This is last things. Stand with me. In just a few minutes, our prayer team is going to be down front. They'll pray with you about anything that you have need of. Um, let me show you a couple of things. This is how I want you to go out. And I want you to put this into practice in your life. I want you to prepare uh, to worship before you get to church. From now on. I want you to prepare. That, that means like you don't start 
when you get in this room. All right, let's get in here. I hear them talking. Hunter just called us into the auditorium. I'm going to be honest with you. We should never even have to call anybody into the auditorium. Like, man, let's get in here. Let's get in here. We got people, greeters and stuff on our team out there to meet new folks that come in. I'm telling you what, man, I'll be in this room ready to rock and roll. I don't, I don't wait to get into this building. I don't even wait to the day of. I don't, I don't wake up that morning and go, better put some worship music in real quick, get my head in order because Pastor Rod's going to be upset if I, no, like you ain't doing this for me, you're doing it for him. It's like, man, worship throughout the week. Worship throughout the week. Now, y'all may not be like this. I used to be this kind of Christian. I didn't listen to any Christian music. I didn't listen to any praise and worship. The only time I got that stuff was when we came to church. I'm listening to everything under the sun, most of it ungodly. Before I, like, so you see what I'm saying? Like, no, man, listen to stuff outside of here. Feed your spirit outside of here. The reason, listen, the reason that I can get up here today and I, it's like, you know, just sing a new song to the Lord. Just sing a new song to the Lord. And I've been teaching some of this in our intercession times. I'm like, we're just going to sing a new song to the Lord. I love you, Lord. I don't even know what key she's playing, but come up a little bit. I don't know, I don't care, cause I love you. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. You're magnificent, Jesus. You know how I learned to do that? By doing it at home and in my car. And I just love you, Lord. And I'll just say stuff. And sometimes I'll be saying it and it doesn't even make sense. And I'm like, yeah, scratch that, God. That didn't make sense. And he's like, I, I love you. You're trying. The more I do that, that's why it's so easy for me to do it now. Because I prepare, I practice my faith outside of this room when it comes to worship. Don't wait till Sunday morning to start doing it. Here's the second thing. Determine to participate and not merely spectate. Determine to participate. I'm so grateful that the majority of my life I've been a participator. I was a spectator. And I'm like, I ain't doing what these crazy folks are doing. These people are like Pentecostal. That's like Baptist who took an overdose of speed. They are crazy. I can't, I can't do that. And I got to the place in my life where I'm like, it's not about what I want. It's about what God and the purpose of this, what God wants and the purpose of this gathering. And I'm not just going to sit there. I'm not even joking, guys. Whenever I, I was this teenager, this is me in worship. This is me in worship. This is never a stance that we should have in worship. Preacher, you're getting in. I'm telling you, man. You can get mad if you want to. This, this, is, this is not a praise posture. It's not a praise posture. Being on your phone during praise, that's not a praise posture. Being on your phone in, in the Word, that's not a praise posture. That's not a growth posture. It's like, I'm going to participate. I'm not only going to participate, but I don't need to be cheer-led. Okay, Hunter, tell me what to do. Tell me, what, what am I supposed to do next? When I'm young in the faith, I might need that. There comes a time where it's like, hey, buddy, 
I know what to do. Oh, you want us to do this? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do some little some extra over here too, but I'll do whatever you say. Also, if Hunter needs, like, hey, okay, you can move out of the way. I'll do it. Because I discipled myself that way. Listen, listen to me, church. I'm not looking for accolades. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just a regular average everyday guy. The only thing that makes me above average is Holy Ghost in me. I know I'm not the best vocalist. I'm not, I know I'm not the best singer. I know I don't keep the best time. Just ask any of these people up here. But one thing I am, I am a worshiper. Because I am madly in love with him. I'm madly in love with him.